Alright, welcome back to Mon Men. I am Yanata Blue, here once again with... Michael Darling, of course. And this week we are joined in our third chair by... Abby Denton, uh, star of stage and screen. Um, m m mostly stage. We're excited to have you here this week. Thanks so much for coming through. Are those caterpie earrings you're wearing? Uh, they're dinosaurs, but oh, okay. uh, I, I appreciate the, the theme. Yeah, so a little bit further away from Pokemon, a little bit closer to, like, say, something like a Digimon. Um, but to start off, we always like to do introductions of our third chair co-host. So, Abby, if you could tell us a little bit about your background with Pokemon or just, you know. Oh, gosh. Well, um, I didn't uh, date a lot as a, as a young person, and I didn't really go out or play any sports. Um so I, I have pretty much all the Pokemon memorized. I think the last two generations, I haven't really, I could probably name them. I think if, if I saw them. But before that, I think I could probably name them all just independently, which is worrying. It's, it's concerning. I, you know, I date you now. You have the Pokedex in your mind. Yeah. You know what? That's a good way to put it. Uh, I think Parappa the Rappa would agree with you. And as I say, <laughs> I did not date a lot as a child. <laughs> I mean, I always hope you didn't date a lot as a child. Well, as a, as an adolescent. Well, you know who also has names of Pokemon in her mind is my mother, but not the correct names. So, um, Abby, would you like to play a game with us to start us off? I would love to play a game All right, with so you. So to remind everybody, this is how we like to start off each episode. This is our game that we call Mon Mom. Uh, my mother is going to describe one of the seven Pokemon that we're discussing this week. And this week we're going through three families. Uh, we'll be discussing the Geodude family, the Ponyta family, and the uh, Slowpoke family. So she'll be going through and describing a Pokemon, giving it a name, and it'll be up to Mr. Darling and Miss Denton to determine which one she is describing. This Pokemon looks like a shrunken Ben Grimm. I will name it Rocky. So I'm a little bit surprised she didn't name it the thing, but I appreciate that she named it Rocky, which eliminates half of the more than half of the Pokemon we're talking this week, I, I think. Um, Your mom grew up on Yancey Street, and so she knows Ben. There They're you old go. friends. There you go. We are from Manhattan. We did spend a lot of time in Manhattan. It's funny you say that because I've, I've never seen his mom, so he's just like the Yancey Street boys. They're always <laughs> off the <panel. laughs> All right, uh, Michael, if you got your guess first to start us off. Okay, so it looks like Ben Grimm, uh, the ever-loving blue-eyed thing. Uh, I'm going to say this is Gollum. I mean, it's definitely in that family. I can say that safely. Okay. Abby? Uh, you know, it's it's funny you say that because of the, of the three, I would say Graveler is the one that most resembles Ben Grimm. But as I understand it, that's not how you do things. You don't show her all three, and she says, I would like to describe this one is this so like that 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 heuristic doesn't help at all uh, but it seems so natural so this is it's breaking all my boundaries much like yugi the king of games <laughs> as i say i did not date a lot i love um, me some Yu-Gi-Oh too don't worry <laughs> okay look look it's fine to love pokemon when you're a child but when you reach adolescence it becomes progressively more and more humiliating uh i i'm gonna vote for graveler just because i feel like he looks he has the most grim like face and perhaps she thinks he's been shrunken and is, like, looking upwards, and the camera is... I don't know how many pictures of him you showed your mom. I sent I send only one picture each time, and in this case, the scoreboard moves yet again. But on an historic day, what? Abby comes in with the magic bullet that I've been waiting for. The scoreboard is now 5-1. to one. 
Heart of the cards, my friend. Heart of the cards. I feel like what's this fuck who lost to Billie Jean King? I was worried for a second there that you were going to talk yourself out of the uh, correct answer there. Because I heard you like sounding like you were edging away from Graveler and thought you were going to make the defensive move. But I got to say, yeah, my mother, I actually agree with my mom. And I did not feed her the Fantastic Four reference. That was all Mama Baloo, 100%. Um, she just straight up said Ben Grimm. Yeah. She said Ben Grimm right out the gate. Well, I, she said Ben, as if I should know which Ben she's referencing. And then when I said Ben, which of my friends are you talking about? She said, old no. Ben, down she's, by the caves. She said, no, Ben Grimm. The that thing. crazy old hermit. <laughs> I don't think I did either. Didn't so. date in the 70s either. Now, if if you were to, to continue this trend, what Pokemon would you would you name um, Reed Richards, Sue Storm, Johnny Storm? I'm going to go with uh, Blaziken as uh, Johnny Storm. Ooh. Um, yeah, just just the fire fighting. Like, that seems like very Johnny Storm-ish. And I imagine Blaziken can fly. Sue, Sue Storm, I'm going to say one of the, the Ralts family, because they both have sort of like the bob oh. hair. Does Sue Storm still have the bob? Uh, kind of, I think. Like, I, don't know, I think now it's kind of a little longer, but yeah. It depends on the artist depicting her, but it's always a fairly momish haircut. I think we need more heroic moms <laughs> in fiction. There was one in Grandia 3, and she was the best character. And then she leaves halfway through, and then the game is much worse. All right, so let's dive into the uh, first Pokemon of the week. Mr. Darling, if you could cue us up with the bio on uh, Mr. Dude. Mr. Dude. Geodude. Uh, so this is a rock slash ground type, though the Alolan variant is rock slash electric. And, you have and he has little eyebrows. Yes, we'll get to that. Little magnetic eyebrows. And you first encounter it at Mount Moon. Okay, so let's start with those eyebrows. I mean, on the regular form, it's more of just like a shaved eyebrow. Um, it's got a definite brow. But like with the Alolan form, you have the magnetic eyebrows. Um, and the Alolan form is a very rare dual type. It's the only dual type of its kind. It's a rock electric type. I think this is one of the more subtle Alolan shifts that we have. Like, if you didn't, if I didn't have a picture of them side by side, I would just think that that was, I would like mentally trick myself into saying, oh yeah, that's how Geodude has always looked. Like, it's always had that eyebrow thing. And it's only seeing them side by side in pictures that I realize that the Alolan design is very different. I get that. I get that. The color's a little different. Absolutely. As the, uh, as the series went on, I sort of feel like they got a lot more, they got a lot more corporate at the Pokemon company. <laughs> Uh, and, and they sort of got a lot more into, like, every design sort of has a, a charm point where you're like, oh, this is an ice cream cone. I love this thing. Uh, where maybe the first generation and maybe some of the second, like, were maybe a little too simple and they don't have what I think are called charm points. Like, like Geodude standing next to the, the, the new one uh, sort of looks very plain. Whereas the new one is like, oh, he's got those eyebrows. He's got weird little head spikes. Like, that's a very distinctive design, which I realize is an insane thing to say about a tiny little head with little fist sticking out of it, but he, he just he just looks naked next to the other one now. <laughs> yeah, and that physiology, especially of the original one, is something that I have a lot of weird questions about, because like in the anime, like first of all, it hovers, but in the Pokedex, it's noted that it uses its arms to climb, so I'm kind of like wondering, like, is it a magnetic type of thing? Is it floating around like Magneto, or... Yeah, because it doesn't have the levitate ability, so... Like, like how all the fish can float, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the other thing is, is like, mentioning the lack of charm points i my immediate response looking back on this original geodude design like again seeing it in comparison without those accentures is that it immediately brought me back to being in middle school and sneaking into a rated art my first rated r movie that i snuck into sorry mom uh was hannibal um and i didn't realize this was played wait, by gary wait how old were you at this point sixth grade so i think i was like 13 okay um 
So yeah, sneaking into a rated R movie at 13 is like a rite of passage, I feel like. That's like, you know. Didn't do that either. (laughs) (laughs) I drank milk. Have you seen Hannibal? I've not. Okay. I've not. Well, I, I, I looked at your, uh, in, in our notes for this episode, uh, there are content warnings. <laughs> and this is the first time I've encountered that in uh, a crib sheet. Yeah. Um, but I'm grateful for yeah, it. Yeah, I linked to the uh, role that I didn't realize Gary Oldman played at the time. Um, but Because he, he's underneath like a pound of prosthetics. He plays Mason Verger, who in the novel had been like, I think, strung out on some drug by Hannibal and then eaten by his pigs. Yeah, he Hannibal convinced him to cut his own face off. Oh yeah, that's what it feed was. It to the pig. Wait, hang on. This is like three different franchises combining into one. You've got the A-Team. <laughs> <laughs> you got the Eric Andre show. There we go. So <laughs> so yeah, so Gary Oldman's character in this film is has like facial graphs that just make him look not unlike Geo, the normal Geo dude. Um, except that instead of actual eyes, he has no eyes. He has just like these black beady things that are like peeking out. From he underneath. has no eyes. Google at your own risk, folks. Did you guys ever see the uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV show? No, from uh, just talking BBC? talking of actors that no one knows. Yeah, talking of actors that no one knows um, played a character because the lady who played Trillian in that this this blonde who sort of had this terrible American accent was uh, Peter Davidson, the Fifth Doctor Who's wife. Oh. And he was so excited to be on the show, but the budget was so low. And even though like Douglas Adams had run. Uh, Doctor Who for like two seasons um, like they just couldn't afford to get Peter Davidson on it so he, he does an uncredited appearance heavily made up as uh, the, the pig monster that wants them to eat him at the restaurant at the end of the universe oh, and it's just Peter Davidson that's saying like fine. please eat my bottle <laughs> I've seen episodes of that and it is just I think it's one of those better examples of like BBC recycling of sets and everything like that like in every single one of those articles you'll ever see about how the BBC reuses sets and different props it's right in there it's just a testament to making a dollar, stretching a dollar as much as you can. Or a pound in that case. Good point. Or possibly a euro. <laughs> no, they don't use the euro, even pre-Brexit. We'll see how things go in October after the extension. That, that's actually why BBC budgets were so low, is because of all the uh, <laughs> the conversion the con- <laughs> conversion charges. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Fun fact about Peter Davidson, he is the 10th Doctor's father-in-law. Oh, that's right. That's right. There are all those photos of them hanging out, yeah. changing... Because, get this, David Tennant, the Tenth Doctor, met his wife on the set of an episode. His wife is Pete Davidson's daughter. And in that episode, she played a character who was, quote-unquote, the Doctor's daughter. A clone, actually, but that was the episode's title. So, the Tenth Doctor is dating his own, well, is married to his own clone, who is the daughter of the Fifth Doctor. I was thinking to myself, how would I feel marrying someone who'd played my father in a TV show? But in retrospect, I don't think I'm, like, the ideal test case for a question like that. <laughs> All right, even I don't have a transition for this one, but, uh, darling, apparently... We were talking about facial scarring, I think, at one point. Facial scarring. All right, you know what else causes facial scarring? Kids throwing Geodude at each other's heads. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, I'll take this, please. <laughs> so, we have come across some weird-ass Pokedex entries before, but this one from Fire Red audibly made me say, that's bullshit, when I read it. Uh, quote... Its round form makes it easy to pick up. Some people have used them to hurl at each other in a snowball fight. So, clearly, this was written by some psychopath 11-year-old who wrote this. Because Geodudes weigh 44 pounds. You can't pick those up. 
You can't throw them at people. I mean, I will argue that Cordy weighs 44 pounds, and I pick her up regularly to discipline okay. her. So. But you can't throw her in a snowball fight at someone. He's actually had his dog lifted over, over his lap this whole time and has been spanking her to punish her <laughs> through this whole conversation. Hashtag it's a miracle no he's, he doesn't have more of like a rhythm to his... I normally, I normally sit here petting Cordy like Dr. No in, uh, in, James, in a James Bond movie. I was wondering why when I came in, uh, you slowly turned your chair around. <laughs> thank you for Hello, coming to Hello, Miss Denton. <laughs> Wasn't that more Blofeld's thing? I feel like it's every Bond villain. That's just like a trope of like his super, like every single one of them wants to be that smooth. You can say what you want about Bond vil- villains. They're unflinchingly polite. It's true. Bond is like the anti-James Wick. James Wick is going after people because of his dog, John Wick more time john bond james wick <laughs> john bon jovi wick okay let's try that again bond now we're leaving all this in. bond is like the anti john wick there fuck you uh in that john wick is killing people because of his dog whereas james bond is particularly targeting villains who have cats apparently at least that's what we're claiming as the new canon as i've mentioned on this podcast i'm from trinidad originally you can tell again by my mother's delightful accent that i don't have um but my father uh when we first came to this country watched all of the james bond movies with me and i remember this specifically so i could learn about american culture (laughs) (laughs) because americans love them some british spies (laughs) is the fantastic four are the fantastic four more popular in trinidad or is your mom just a nerd that's my mom is a nerd she i've talked on this podcast previously about the fact that the main reason why i got into video games and have stayed into video games is because of my mom but yes, to move on from zombies to uh, back to our Geodude. I, I do want to say, if they can hover, then uh, maybe it's easier to carry them. And also, like, maybe they sort of, like, they, they just sort of say tag your it and, like, smack you in the face and then float away. <laughs> I like the idea of you throw a Geodude, it stops before it hits the other person, and then just goes smack. It sort of, it sort of like, leapfrogs over your head, sort of like, uh, yeah, like, kind of cushions its like own a blood. slam dunk with your head. <laughs> That's good. I like that image. I like that image a lot. All right, so we're referencing the Brits a whole lot. Tell us something about U.S. politics, Mr. Darling. (laughs) Well, this isn't so much politics as uh, we can't talk about Geodude without talking about one of my favorite tweets by Drew Toothpaste. Uh, The tweet reads, Anime is real, Barack Obama said in his inauguration speech earlier. Pokemon are real. Geodude is real and strong, and he's my friend. So this is an iconic tweet. You see this retweeted all the time if you're in the right circles. Uh, And so... I just wonder, does Pokemon World Obama use self-destructing Geodudes instead of drone strikes? Yes. So on that note, we have a second Pokemon that I think is now in the Pokemon World Hague for war crimes. We have two war criminals now on the show, Yay. folks. That being said, I just purely out of weird coincidence, I watched Kingsman this past weekend uh, Why? for the first time in a while. The original Kingsman is such a fun movie. And yeah, I love that it's like one of the few movies that depicts clearly what is President Obama um from behind in every scene that he's in but clearly president obama participating in the megalomaniac supervillain scheme to take over the world of all things i guess that i guess that like he's the one president that they know would be good humored enough to be featured that way in it but the confused reaction among an la crowd during that scene when it was revealed that he was in on it was one of the most you know memorable movie experiences i'll ever have that and when i saw life of pi next to an old lady who yelled oh shit every time the tiger jumped <laughs> Good for her. I love it when people. I do love it when people get that into movies. To be honest with you, yeah. You know that that's why she should have watched the movie about Wesley Snipes who was trapped uh, on a boat with a tiger 
white tigers can't jump. <laughs> that didn't even work. It did work. I'm out of breath from how far it took to get there. <laughs> I still <laughs> laughed, so that's all that matters. You're a very polite man. It's not as long a stretch as some of my transitions that I do in the show to keep us on track. Wasn't that no. the... Speaking of Reed Richards... <laughs> <laughs> it's a stretch. Hey! Uh, I think white tigers can't jump is Wesley Snipes in the Siegfried and Roy biopic. Okay. As both. All right. Well, talking about alternate tiger colors, tell us about Geodude's alternate color today. Well, the shiny is gold, and I think that's just fun. I like that. I've always liked Geodude. He seems like a chill Pokemon, partially because his name is literally, its name is literally Geodude. Uh, plus, the original red and blue sprite is giving you a thumbs up. So It is, yeah. It's just designed to be... It's it's one of those like weirdly like harmonious things. But the other thing about it is, is that unlike so many other Pokemon that we enco- have encountered and will encounter, its family name tree does not follow any of the kind of like word ladder associations that other families do. Geodude, Graveler, there's not a single syllable in there that overlaps. Same thing with Gollum. It's just the fact that, uh, except for the fact that they all start with G. But I mean, that's so disparate from other ones. So that being said, are we ready to move on to the ever-loving blue-eyed boy? I have very little to add here. Yeah, Graveler it is. On the Ben Grimm. So this is where I take us out of Pokemon again because we, we, we never go on tangents here. We haven't gone on any tangents today, so it's time we went on a tangent, which is that... Whereas this Pokemon is noted in the Pokedex as being able to float, it's also noted as being, again, following in its chill pattern of its brother, it rolls everywhere. And in that regard, it just takes me right back to Ocarina of Time with the Gorons, and even more recent Zelda installments with Gorons, where they just roll everywhere. And Kirby, when you turn into a rock, it's often quite expedient to roll downhill. And the wheel form, too. You know, I guess that's true. So would... Would wheel Kirby be rock type? Maybe steel. Okay. Well, ground type for wood. I mean, or I guess wood would be closer to grass type. Yeah. Wood would be grass. Okay. More more important question: Which Digimon family um, is Kirby typing type? Yeah. Would 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 Graveler be nature spirits? See, I never played the Digimon games enough to get into like the lore and the typing and the science behind it. I was just a fan of the That's show because it never made sense, and half of the stuff that still never made sense was never translated. I was just a huge fan of the show growing up. Like I just thought that the sagas that they unfolded, especially the first two seasons in particular, were fantastic stuff. It was wise of you to get out when you did. <laughs> and that's why he dated in high school. <laughs> <laughs> they, they brought me here just to brag. Oh, they, I didn't they, date they, in high They're no, showing off photo albums of themselves going to homecoming. Our football team in high school went 0 and 10, like three out of four years I was there. So no one cared. There was no school spirit. It was awesome. My my high school actually, um, I was like seventy percent black. I forget what the what the proportion shook down to. And uh, there was a football game last year against uh, like the the hoity-toity people across the river from us. And um, apparently, their football team was uh, unleashing some some racial abuse against our team. A fight broke out. Uh, long story short, I, I I don't want to say that it's good to fight people, but uh, my school's team won so well that the other team refused to to uh, have another game against us. <laughs> nice. Won the fight so well? We won. We're a good school. We're better than the people where you'd probably cast Philip Seymour Hoffman in the movie about it. He's the coach in this movie? I, he's probably the whole team. <laughs> Like at different stages of his career. Yeah, let's get a uh, let's just CGI all of that into him being able to uh, Peter Sellers every single role in this movie. 
I could have gone for the Michael My for the Mike Myers reference, but I prefer Peter Sellers and how he always used to play three roles in every given movie he was in. Oh my god. I like the idea of bringing an actor like Back from the Dead like that, not just because you have to for Rogue One, but like in order to turn him into like a like a bizarre like, like um what's the word for like one who's always doing publicity stunts? Like I'm gonna play every character. Uh, oh well, like, yeah, I'm not sure what that term would be, but like the you're gonna turn him into Eddie Murphy against his <laughs> his late will. <laughs> I mean, Sky Captain in the World Tomorrow, the villain in that was f archival footage of Laurence Olivier. Damn. Yeah, I know, right? Is that movie any good? By all accounts, no. I feel like it's a movie I have to watch at some point just to see how bad it actually is. Yeah, apparently it's not even, like, funny, make fun of it bad. It's just purely bad um, because it was so hacked together. But I wonder if that isn't, like, you know how you have all this hype about, like, Jared Leto method acting to, like, make the Joker great and, like, how people hype that kind of shit up for actors? Okay. I'm sure. The ghost of Philip Seymour Hoffman haunted us. <laughs> some, sometime in our lives, there's going to be, like, that equivalent for a CGI designer. It's like, oh, my God, we just resurrected oh Peter Sellers, like... Or whomever else. Like, I'm trying to think who would be, like, the most... So, so you think that's going to be the first, like, Frankenstein moment? It'll be in our lifetime. man was not meant to know is going to be the Disney Corporation. Yeah. It's going to be... We're going to hear stories about, like, some director and, like, CGI FX lead, like, that, like, just got drunk on power and were like, you want to bring fucking Mel Gibson back from the dead? We'll bring fucking Mel Gibson back from the dead. Here we go. Here's a full movie with Mel Gibson as the lead and he's dead. And, you know, that's where we're going to be glad that they started this with Peter Cushing because he fought evil all his career yeah as opposed to mel gibson who is racist who was evil all through his career well i mean there you go you can have the actor that you want with all the talent that you want him to have without any of the problems um i mean i have jumped off i've jumped off of my fandom for this show after the last couple seasons but bojack horseman did do a bit on the fact that like hey since you're such a flight oh, risk yeah, and liability yeah. we're just going to capture your face so that way we can make the movie no matter what the hell you do to yourself for yourself or with yourself that was that was pre rogue one yeah right and it ended up being oddly prophetic i just kind of think that that's going to end up being a total thing in the future where like yeah you just need to have an actor come in for like two days you feed in his previous roles and uh you just have him make like five facial expressions and that's it i'd like to see what they do in the future if like you have a movie where you have to cast someone as hitler <laughs> and and you just take a dead actor and you're just like we're just gonna use his legacy and just associate him with hitler for the rest of time wow. it's like you don't like that actor you just want him to be hitler now and then we never need new actors again. You just constantly, yeah. Just for Hitler. Well, I mean, at at what point? And this has probably been the this was the plot of an Al Pacino movie, like Simone. Like, yeah, like or when Sim when do you start like just making up an actor? Like at what point is it worth making the jump from? Because I guess it's still a lot of money. Remember, got like '95 or something when there was an uproar about the uh, vacuum cleaner commercials where Fred Astaire was edited to look like he was dancing with a vacuum cleaner. Like Fred Astaire's widow wouldn't allow Ginger Rogers to show clips at her AFI award ceremony, but she allowed these commercials to air. You know, I think that was in poor taste, but I think it was in worse taste when they edited the film uh, American Pie to make it look like the kid was fucking a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I've got nothing to add to kid fucking vacuum cleaner. But yeah, so speaking of uh, amazing lines, weird lines from Wikipedia, I know this is normally Darling's thing, but I just jumped on this one, which is that on Bulbapedia, they say that Graveler's name is possibly derived from gravel, which is just one of those na those things that just seems so obvious. Why point it out? Um, but then also that Graveler appears to be based on a boulder. I'd like a citation needed on both of those. <laughs> well, okay. 
it appears to be based on gravel, but in reality, it was based on Satoshi. No, what's the what's the main Pokemon dude? What's that guy's name? Uh, Satoshi. I'm blanking on his last name. It was actually based on his favorite band, Blues Graveler. <laughs> oh, that took me a moment, and now my head hurts. <laughs> Graveler appears to be based on a boulder, but actually, he's he's based on their hard. Abby, rock. why do you have to give us the runaround? All right. So the Graveler shiny is it also gold? Uh, it's kind of browner. Like the the Geodude family shiny kind of loses its luster as it evolves, but it's still a good looking shiny. Like it's one of the better ones we've had recently, because a lot of the ones we've had recently have been like, well, it's slightly darker or it's slightly lighter. In this one, it's clearly a different color. Well, let's move on to uh, to another trade evolution. We're on Gollum, which led Mr. Darling down the path of defeat this week. And I didn't even mention actually the Alolan forms as options in Mon Mom this week, but I've been trying to do that less and less since our Flintstones debacle a couple episodes ago. For those of you who did not hear that one, Mama Baloo called Alolan Geo... No, sorry, Alolan uh, Trio saying that it looked like, quote, the lovely Flintstones. Because of the hair that reminded her of Barney. It's one of those things that once you hear <laughs> the path, it makes more sense. That's wonderful. There's a wig store down the street. Maybe I'll stop there and get my own <laughs> But yeah, so Gollum, unlike the other two Alolan variants for this one, I love the Alolan Gollum. Like, I'm okay with Alolan Geodude. Like, like you said about the charm points for the design, Alolan Graveler just looks like he has acne because of like the gathering magnetic thing, but um, but Alolan Gollum on the other hand takes it to like this really cool cyberpunk direction that I'm a huge fan of. And you know we haven't touched on sizes today that much, but that's because the sizes today are actually fairly reasonable. Geodude is about a foot tall, Gollum gets to about four feet tall. That's a lot. That's big and heavy as far as rocks are concerned, but we're not dealing with anything like you know otherworldly sized. I seem to remember as a kid, and I might be getting them confused with something else. Don't Gollum and Graveler have have stated weights of like seven gajillion pounds or something yeah maybe not those but like it is something like if geodude's weighing 44 pounds these have to weigh something heavy yeah the main thing is is that geodude starts out at cordy weight and it's one of those things where like for whatever reason even rock pokemon don't cross these like crazy weight thresholds unless they're big like onyx yeah exactly no even onyx is only weigh even onyx only weighs like a few hundred pounds uh 661 pounds that's how much a golem weighs 696 in the case of a lowland golem yeah so today unlike all of our past episodes we don't have a whole lot of like crazy uh pokedex factoids it's not like arcanine it's not like 5000 level iq it's a heavy rock boy it's magnetic well i i am 700 pounds with a 5000 iq so i'm i'm filling all of these i'm nine feet tall i've had to hunch in through the the window of this 10th story uh suite we're recording in um i've sort of leaned a, a spindly arm is currently reaching in to adjust the volume dial. So we're dealing with another Rolly boy who, just like the pandas in Kung Fu Panda, which, side note, best movie trilogy since the uh, year 2000, in my opinion. I tried to come up with a joke answer for that, but there were really no good options. It's a really solid trilogy. It holds up. It's... I mean, even as a joke answer, I couldn't find one. There you go. Even uh, the Dave & Buster's Corporation appreciates the games based on Kung Fu Panda <laughs> to the point that they've replaced all actual <laughs> arcade games. <laughs> Yeah, you can't even argue, unfortunately, you can't make the argument for the Batman trilogy because I've tried going back to try to, like, forgive Dark Knight mm. Rises, and I can't. Yeah. Like, I still can't. It's just such a weird departure from where the rest, from, like, where the first two entries are. Even if it is, like, similar in tone, it's just so different in terms of, like, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it just doesn't, it isn't consistent. Like, it's just a departure um, in terms of, like, lore and believability, I suppose. I feel like uh, the fact that 
we're making a case for the Kung Fu Panda series being better than the Batman Begins series. Like, you could build the whole podcast just around, these are two men who talk about Pokemon while believing this. Because, <laughs> like, I would click immediately, like, what? What's their case? Like, I'm, I'm into this. Now, listeners who have been here before will take me will take this very seriously as a claim coming from me because my Batman fandom has been established repeatedly on this podcast, <laughs> much to the consternation <laughs> of my co-host. Hey, I like who, the Batman. He likes the Batman. He does not like the fact that I bring up the Batman for 15 minutes every single episode without fail. And here I am again, <laughs> shoehorning it in by way of Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> well, look, darling, the thing is, the thing is, Baloo doesn't care whether, whether you agree with him or not. It's just that uh, some men... Just, just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> That's like Alfred if he were raised on Yancey Street. Full circle. Uh, so, you know, Gollum, I like the design, but I've always found it kind of weird. Because, like, I feel it's a big jump from the previous two. Because the other two are, like, super, this is a rock with a face. Whereas this is a lizard guy with a rock body. And then his Alolan version has a hat. <laughs> yeah, it's a hat cannon. I love the Alolan design, though. I love that it's basically shooting rocks out of its giant cannon body. As you said, it's very cyberpunk. Like, this is William Gibson if he designed a Pokemon. Okay, this might be the dumbest question I've ever asked, but, like, with the facial hair, I'm trying to figure out if that's, like, a reference to, like, a Jewish mythology thing beyond the fact that he's named for the golem. Because I wasn't sure, and I don't know enough about... Because, like, it, it sort of looks like one of those Russian hats. I get Fiddler on the Roof vibes. I'm sorry, the Fiddler on the Roof reference brought this back to my mind, which was Alfred Molina in the Dr. Octopus arms, oh, like, waiting gosh. for, like, a test in front of the green screen. And I will include <laughs> this in the show notes, folks. Uh, him doing Fiddler on the Roof... <laughs> And it ending with the, uh, yeah, oh. anyway. Which is strange because Dr. Octopus wouldn't need uh, any set of staircases. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's so good. There's footage out there somewhere of Ang Lee doing the motion capture for the Hulk, and I need to see it before I die. Oh, gosh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, we need to find that. Please, please, please. If you are listening from Fox Studios would own that, I suppose? No, that was, I think, uh, Universal or Paramount releases. Yeah, because that was before Marvel brought it all under back under one roof. Yeah, because that was before even Marvel Studios got kicked off. Yeah, Ang Lee, we know you're listening. Please release that footage. I love your bit with Stuart Lee. (laughs) (laughs) You've got fans here. You can trust us. British comedy references that are happening in this one episode is just insane. We know our audience and we know ourselves. We're about what we're about. Our audience is Ang Lee and Anne Hathaway, who you have started a feud with, and it hasn't resolved yet. Yeah, and I just slammed Dark Knight Rises. Hayden on the Hathaways again. <laughs> so, Abby, you brought this up about it being called Gollum. Yes, uh, which I guess is a folkloric thing, much like we have vampires from, I guess, many different cultures. You've also got clay monster protector creatures. I think it's Hungarian. I don't remember where the myth started from. Yeah, I'm familiar with them being the result of Jewish folklore and that they are just, like, I'm familiar with, like, the lore behind them, which is that they're creatures that can be summoned through magic, like, homunculi that you can summon to protect. I think it's MF for truth, maybe? That okay. Void, I don't know. You have to write something on their for on the clay homunculus his forehead and then it comes to life and it protects the chosen people but yeah i've always found it weird that they gave it this name also because like there's nothing that connects it to the classic uh folkloric golem uh which we will get a folkloric style golem in gen 5 with golette and golurk well you've also kind of got the what is it the reggie guys i feel like are very golemish yeah 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 i get it 
That's and they've, they've, they've got like words printed across their foreheads too, right? In You're right, Braille. yeah. Not that you could usually get close enough to them to feel out the words with your fingers. <laughs> Just walking up to this giant block of ice that's a Pokemon and being like, hey, mister, can I rub your forehead and see what it says? You know, I, I like the, it, like in some of the iterations of the franchise, like like the Pokemon are very much treated sort of like, like spirits or nature gods or something like that. So I do kind of like the idea that they're just uniquely benign toward blind people. Like anyone else, like they just murder you and say like, get out of this cave. But they're just like, oh hey, whatever. While I don't know any specific myths or tales about Golem, um, I do. We do know plenty of myths and specific tales around mythical horses, which is my again very smooth segue into Ponyta. Mr. Darling, where do I'll we find Ponyta? I'll Thank give you points for that one. Uh, Ponyta. It's a fire type, pure fire, nothing more, nothing less. Uh, that you first encounter in Cinnabar Island's beautiful and historic Pokemon Mansion. Why would a horse be hanging out indoors? because uh, the mansion burned down, kind of like I think if I remember the lore from Red and Blue, it's implied that that is where they were doing the tests that created Mewtwo. Yeah, and so it's destroyed when you get there in Red and Blue, like it's in ruins, and you're running around there, and I think you run into Ponyta, and I think we'll get there eventually. Ditto's but I there, I know you that. Know, I, I just Ditto's never there. think of horses as, like, island creatures. Oh, Although, yeah. Although, weren't they, like, the Aleutian Islands or something? Is that where they came? I don't know. Mm. They may have been imported. Water uh, horses or I something. I mean, there are bulls on Catalina Island, so... Yeah, I'm sure they swam there. Well, you know what couldn't swim is a Ponyta, because they're <laughs> weak against water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what we, uh... But one thing I do want to point out is, again, pictures not really representing scale. This little horse, I was astonished to find out, is only three feet tall. Um, this is, to continue with my other favorite thing to reference, which is NBC sitcoms, uh, this is Lil Sebastian, y'all. <laughs> we have Lil Sebastian. This thing and our polyrath Ron Swanson from a couple episodes ago would be best friends, even though they're opposing types. Just like Ron Swanson and Little Sebastian. You know, it, it's strange to think just how much cooler the myths in the Pokemon universe must be. Because, like, just imagine Hercules. Like, Earth Hercules. Uh, one of his tasks was just uh, cleaning up a stable with, like, a million years worth of poop in it. Oh, yeah, the Aegean uh, stables. Whereas in this one, the it would be poop that's on fire, <laughs> as I understand it. Which is significantly more impressive to clear out. Or much easier if it's... you just. I've never even thought about... Well, wait, can you burn poop that's already on fire? Isn't it already burning? Well, no. So he cleaned out the Aegean stables by rerouting an entire river to run through it. Oh, yeah. That's right. It's already weak to water. <laughs> there you go. In that case, it would be even more effective. It would be super effective at cleaning out the Aegean That really stables. seems like overkill, and also I'd hate to be downriver of that. But, I mean, considering that the pony itself is on fire, it must be extracting the flammable chemical aspects of its food and diet to burn, to continue its coat burning. So I'd imagine the poop is fairly inert. In a hypothetical timeline where they had, like, a poop Pokemon, and I'm aware they have a poop Digimon because that's a franchise that's braver and more willing to There's a poop the, Pokemon, the, too. Wait, which one? We're talking about Muck. Oh, I guess, yeah. Because I, I was going to ask, like, what type what type would you call the poop Pokemon? Oh, I've always thought of it as sewage. Poison. Interesting. So I, I was, from what we were saying with the water, I was going to go with, like, maybe it's ground type. Hmm. No, I would think like I think poop would be more a poison type. That's just me. I have a postgraduate. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like poop would be more ground type. So, because <laughs> I mean yeah. manure, you use oh, it as yeah. fertilizer, yeah. and yeah, poison so that's where I'm, ground, that's where I'm going with that for that, uh, uh, theoretical poop mon. So would would grass be strong against it? Because it it's ground type, and because it's for ooh, very, I I'm getting more yeah. and more ooh. sold on this. Yeah, yeah, I like this idea. Yeah, there we go. Game Freak, we know you're listening. All right, well, another thing that I always like pointing out are just kind of these little variations to kind of reflect. And I brought this up with other Pokemon like Venomoth and wanting to see different types of Venomoth that have 
different designs, different patterns, just like we have different moths in the real world. Same thing with horses. You know, all the Ponyta and all the Rapidash we see are these white, you know, on-fire horses. Just the same way we have black horses, brown horses, calico. Like, you know, we have somebody shared on uh, Twitter a calico cat version of Meowth, and it was just the cutest thing. And so I would love to see similar variations of Ponyta. So if any of our listeners are graphic design folks or artists, please, 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 you would make my day if you came up with different designs for Ponyta. And I'll preview my Mon Mod for the day. It's going to go kind of in the same vein as that. There have been other horses, like Mudsdale in Gen 7 is a nice, like, big, brown, Clydesdale oh, yeah. Pokemon. I was trying to think of what other horses there were. There were, like, the magic horses in uh, Unova. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Swords of Justice. This is already a pretty magical horse because despite being three feet tall, hey, another crazy Pokedex feat of strength <laughs> entry. This little pony can leap tall buildings. It is classic Superman level. <laughs> Agile. Well, I love specifically they reference this is another case of using real world places in the Pokedex, which is always funny to me. Uh, they mention that it can leap over the Eiffel Tower in a single bound in uh, the stadium entry, and in the Fire Red Pokedex, it said it can jump over Air's Rock, which I just love that those are the two specific landmarks they went with. Well, do you think those school children who disappeared over Air's Rock? Did they end up in the Pokemon universe? Wait, I'm familiar. I'm unfamiliar. Wait, no. What's what's the the giant Australian rock? Ayers Rock. Where the Ayers Rock, where like the there was like a school. I, I don't think this was a real thing. I think it was a book and then a movie. Was it Ayers Rock? It was some rock where like the, people kept climbing up it and then disappearing. But it was like a a symbol for because you you had to take off your corset to be able to climb up it. So it was like a symbol of casting away uh, oppression. But then you also just vanish and die. Up until the corset thing, I thought this might have been an M Night Shyamalan movie I missed. But you know, I think he could he could do a good a good job with it are we is, what do you i've been hearing people talking about the uh, m night shamalants like his <laughs> the laugh i got out of you for the shamalants <laughs> was just worth it i i guess i i just don't understand why people will will come out and say like oh a film about uh, a crazy serial killer with uh dissociative identity disorder like why would you i guess I, I i genuinely can't fathom like the number of people who i respect saying like oh that's a great concept for a movie when like i feel like that movie existed several times in the 80s and was universal reviled. I feel like and then even then it like existed back in like the 60s or 50s too and then it had it got put away Psycho, for a little while. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. It got put away for a little while and then it came back out and now it's you know all, I mean there's nothing new. There are no new ideas. Now see on the other hand uh, when Lusamon uh, an angel of light uh, transformed into Lusamon fall down mode and uh, devoted himself to the destruction of the digital world. I feel like there was a more nuanced take on the matter because, you know, it sort of brings in all of the conflicts that religion brings to a person, and it's just a better story. It is an interesting indictment of Judeo-Christian mythos and how it evolves over time. So, so yeah, we got a lot going on there. I'm going to assume this is a Digimon we're talking about. Yes, okay. it is. Some myths that you might be more familiar with, darling, are fiery horses and legendary horses in our other myths, such as in Norse mythology and even Greek mythology and Hindu mythology. This is, uh, you know, this is just kind of a gimme design of a Pokemon in a way because, and even aside from that, you picture legendary horses as being like, you know, the Headless Horseman is one of the more famous American mythos that we have to draw upon. So this is, uh, it's a very cute version of something that's used for terrifying effect in other mythos. Wait, so it's Lucimon because Lucifer? Yeah, yeah. Well, there, there, there is like a trilogy of like super god. I mean, like every season they invent 
into another like 12 super Digimon. Like there's the Royal Knights and the Olympus 12 and all these other guys. Uh, one of the series had like a, a triumvirate of gods. One of them was like a beast god and the other was a human god. And then there was like a, th- a third god that was like the union between the two. But then like he di- he disappeared because he was evil. And then he killed the other two and sort of like drove the other two into warring against each other. It's weird. Front- Frontier was weird. <laughs> yeah, people actually died in Digimon. Whoa. As opposed to Ash briefly dying and then being brought back by the power of love. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, he was petrified. Oh, yeah, that's right. So Pikachu just used a soft, or is that Final Fantasy? Either way. What I will say, so we've touched on the fact that there are some cool shinies today, um, and Ponyta, again, holds up my theory that beloved Pokemon, the Pokemon that I think the creators especially actually like, get cool shinies. Ponyta and Rapidash's shinies get blue flames, um, which is another kind of idea of them having different colored flames that we see in the real world, that different chemicals burn different colors. I think it would be cool if we saw more of that. And again preview for my mon mod. Let's move on to uh, Rapidash, who I was scolded by Michael's girlfriend for not knowing offhandedly uh, a couple episodes ago uh, what the actual hands to feet measurement conversion was. Uh, It's actually three hands to a foot. So it's a very simple multiplication matter. Um, So Rapidash at eight feet into 14 hands or something like that. Mostly because you love that one. Mostly because I just wanted to make a reference to booze that I wanted to drink. But no, so at five feet tall, Rapidash stands at an average of 15 hands in height. Shout out to Meg. Thanks for keeping me honest. (laughs) Again, this is a... So, you know, Lil Sebastian being Lil Sebastian, um, it's kind of surprising that this is the final stage evolution for the only horse that we will see for a very long time. Do we have any other horses in the Pokedex? Oh, yeah. Well, we we said Mudsbray yeah. and, well, Mudsbray and Mudsdale. Mudsbray is more of a donkey and the Swords of Justice. And there are others, I think. But it's going to be a little bit before we see another horse. We'll see some other uh, ungulate Pokemon, but it'll be a while before we get another horse. As we speak, Michael Darling is ungulating around the, the room. It's it's quite sensuous. Ride me, Daddy. <laughs> so, at five feet tall, this is actually a very modest-sized horse. Like, when we think of any kind of horse, I'm sure that listening to this, you are picturing a horse. It's probably looking you in the eyes, if not taller than you. So that means, you know, most horses that we think about as normal are already, like, six or seven feet tall. And if you're listening to this and not picturing a horse, what the fuck is wrong with you? God. We have one rule for this Pokemon podcast. You think about horses when we li- and you listen to it. God! I'm so angry I can't even talk straight. You know, there was one good joke on Family Guy. I don't remember the context at all, but someone just says, horses are bad people. <laughs> and then it cuts to, like, someone saying, oh no, I've been poisoned. Like, who's gonna get the will? And then there's, like, a horse, like rubbing its hooves together behind a window or something. That's good. Oh That's my god. Really good. And yeah, so this horse at five feet tall is only 200 pounds. That is an extremely light horse, even for being on the smaller side. Horses get heavy. Well, it's on fire. It is It is burning a lot of weight. It's burning a lot of calories at all given times. Well, there's a, there's a balloon sort of above it that they never show in the pictures, <laughs> and that's lifting it off the ground. Did you ever watch Nathan for you? I have not. Oh, well, the show is incredible. I think it's all on Hulu these days, but... Oh, that'd be great if I loved giving money to the companies that responsible for destroying Hollywood, Michael. <laughs> hey, it's not Netflix. Uh, but there's one episode where he helps, or tries to help, an equestrian uh, horse riding company somewhere out in Malibu, let's say, I think, uh, or in the San Monica Mountains. And so they have a limit on how much weight someone can weigh to ride a horse. So he's going to strap these people to balloons so that that'll be less weight on the backs of the horses. It goes about as well as you'd think. No horses died, though. I want to make that clear. I, I don't know enough about horses to have 
a think of how it's going to go. So. Well, do you know enough about the horses to guess that 150 miles an hour is average speed, above average speed for a horse? What do you think? I... I very much enjoy in the notes that you seem disappointed that it only goes 150 miles an because hour. Because we've already talked about a tiger that could apparently run at 260. Please, a tiger dog. A, 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 a tie dog. Tie dog. <laughs> Not much dog. What's up with you? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Brokenine can run at 260 miles an hour is what he's claiming at the bar. But yeah, this rapid ash Pokemon can only go at 150. I see what you did there. I think this is a great design uh and i know they'll come back to the unicorn motif with keldeo in gen 5 but for the first four generations this was the last unicorn i'm alive <laughs> the bar get this high this is good <laughs> but yeah i think uh keldeo is a little bit more of an interesting design but since unicorns are so prominent in Brith mythology i'm hoping that when they start revealing more monsters for Sword and Shield, since it is a Britain-inspired region, we'll see some manner of unicorn Pokemon. Yeah, I mean, the one thing to me is that it seems kind of wasted on this Pokemon to jump with the unicorn design, because the unicorn is already such like a far-out, fanciful creature of like superlative speed, capability. I mean, unicorns are supposed to be nigh-uncatchable in Mythos, and it seems like they kind of like slap-dashed this horn. They slap-dashed it. Let's be fair. All of the protagonists in the Pokemon universe are virgins <laughs> as oh indeed God. is everyone who's ever played the games michael care to comment i'm just i'm just laughing at the revelation that yeah that makes sense i i like the idea that it's almost definitely not true but i've decided that i won't look at any evidence of the contrary like you never see an adult using a rapidash in these games oh my god oh, good point what about blaine does he have well maybe blaine's an incel or maybe he's a volcel that's why he's so obsessed with uh with uh game shows yes and living in a cave <laughs> my apologies to jordan Haas. that does bring back like a very weird episode that doesn't relate to any of the pokemon today specifically but the one where brock left the trio finally i think it was in the orange island and when Team Rocket captured Ash and Misty shortly thereafter, and they realized, like, oh, you guys ditched Brock. Props to Jesse and James being such homies at the end of all things, where they were just like, oh, we'll leave you two alone. <laughs> <laughs> like, they read they read the scene. They were willing to, like, not cock block. So, yeah, they, like, le- in the middle of their plot to steal Pikachu, they actually left Ash and Misty alone just so they could get it on. <laughs> Respect. I just Respect. remembered the Orange Islands thing. Doesn't Brock end up coming back? And it's like implied that he had some sort of traumatic event with the professor. Yes, that he was yes, he did. With. She dumped him. Oh, okay, because like in my head, I'd built up this horribly dark story. Like she'd harassed him, and he was like uncomfortable with it, and that's why he was refused to talk about it. I don't know. How old is that guy? Because like in my head, he's like thirty, but he can't have been because he was hanging out with a ten-year-old. Brock, he was like in charge of his whole family, but he was like thirteen. No, he was sixteen in the show. So that's what I was saying is that like Brock being super broken up, being super like depressed and traumatized by just a woman breaking up with him, is an extremely sixteen-year-old boy thing. Like, and just being unable to look at her even on the phone a couple times when she calls them afterward. When when bad luck rains down, though, he uses his frying pan <laughs> as a drying pan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So close us out here we do have a stupid nickname for this pokemon or a beta name rather uh michael Aww. let you uh drop this one for us jesus christ so its japanese name is gallop and originally it was going to be called gallop in the english version until someone at nintendo localization said wait a minute no that's terrible do you think that came out in the focus testing did they hold a gallop poll oh 
But yeah, so thankfully it came up with Rapid Ash, or Rapid Dash, depending on how you want to pronounce it. The Bulbapedia entry says that uh, this might be a combination of Rapid and Dash, or Rapid and Ash. And I'm like, they're both valid. I, w- I want to see like a, a Slowpoke Psyduck, like Idiot Psychic variant of the Rapid Ash that would be called <laughs> a Vapid Ash. Oh. <laughs> well, before we move on to the aforementioned Slowpoke, I just want to say uh, that I was thinking about this as we were preparing for the episode, like, there are only a handful of fire Pokemon in uh, the first generation, but they're all awesomely designed. Probably because Game Freak knows that their target demo of kids are little pyros and are definitely going to have at least one fire type on their team. So they better all be awesome. Actually, I don't think I like any fire types. Uh, I don't think I've ever used uh, Ninetales. That's, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's why I was so excited when the Alolan, uh, the ice type one came out. Never had to use fire. Yeah, we've covered this in past episodes, but I was the weird kid who bought the blue cartridge and chose Charmander because I'm type A and I love the challenge of like the extra hard fire type, but I'm also a little pyro and I love fire types in general. So moving right on to Slowpoke, this little pink hippo of a Pokemon is a water and psychic type. And you first find it at the Seafoam Islands. Yeah, and this guy is surprisingly, well, he's more modest than a hippo would imply. He's four feet tall, or four feet long. I don't know, it's always hard to tell what they're describing in terms of, like, four feet in the Pokedex when they say that. Is that, like, from when he's standing up on all fours, like, from toe up to his head? Or is that four feet from, like, snout to tail tip? I think it's snout to tail. This is a very, like, if a dog wore pants kind of situation. If a slowpoke wore pants, would the pants start on its tail just like the slowbro does? Or I'm going to say the tail. Yeah. Are, are, are the shelter like the pants of the slowpoke? <laughs> like, is it embarrassed about its tail? And that's why it's hiding it in the water so no one can see it because water is so filthy and polluted that you can't see beneath the surface. Is it? So you think it's ashamed of its tip? Like it's a little Jewish boy who wasn't visited by a moyle? You guys are all surprised that I knew the term moyle, aren't you? <laughs> no. For some, you, you're from New York. This is true. You went to bar mitzvahs. Did, actually. Quite a so, few. My, my, my friend actually um, was visiting Israel once, but she didn't didn't actually speak the language. And uh, her travel alarm clock broke, and she was looking for a, a guy who could repair it. She was wandering the street, and she was just sort of like going what was in the, the window. And um, finally, she found a store that just had a bunch of clocks hanging in the window. And she went in, and she said, hey, do you fix clocks? And the guy said, no, I do uh, circumcisions. And she says, so why, why all the clocks in the window? And he says, and what the hell do you think I should hang in the window? <laughs> that's that's not my joke i think it was from a book published by garrison keeler which means it's now problematic (laughs) well you just redeemed that particular joke maybe not garrison keeler himself that's gonna take i've always been pleased with that joke i don't think he wrote it i think it was just sent into the show or something yeah so somehow this pokemon despite having nothing psychic implied in its name unlike another pokemon we previously covered it is a water psychic type yeah, it's so weird that this is psychic, but like the Psyduck Golduck line is not. That's Wait, they're not? They're not. What? Yeah, I yeah, know, right? Neither of them are. They're both straight water types. I was as shocked it's as you were. It's in the name. And they haven't even been retconned to include psychic. Like other types have been updated over the years, which baffles us to no belief. Yeah. No end. I'm. I'm in the weeds here. I'd like like a green Golduck, like a Lolan variant or whatever that has like the Kappa. Oh yeah. Head. That'd be cute. Yeah, but these are psychic for some reason. And I mean, I guess like the psychic thing is supposed to, uh, it does play into the reason behind the shelter evolving it, which we're going to bounce and kind of combine the two into one, I suppose. Just as a slow bro is a combination of a slow poke and a shelter. Yes. So slow poke are noted in the Pokedex for whatever reason as evolving whenever a shelter bites its tail. 
And the reason I remember from that in the show is that Slowpoke's psychic ability gets unlocked when, like, the pain of the shelter's bite kind of, like, distracts its mind enough to release more of that psychic ability. Because there's, like, the symbiosis happening. And that's why Shelter changes forms into that kind of, like, conch shell-like uh, creature on its tail. It's like one of those sitcom episodes where a character gets bonked on the head and suddenly becomes smart. Um, or, like, another famous sitcom where that trope got turned on its head and a character was smart and turned himself stupid by shoving crayons up his nose as a child. I'm referring to, of course, the great Homer J. Simpson. Ah, yes. Famous Disney character, Homer Simpson. Yes. As of time of recording, Homer Simpson has acknowledged his new corporate overlord. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Abby, your thoughts on Slowpoke and Slowbro. I, I'm I'm gonna level with you. I have absolutely none. It's it's there. It's 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 all right. It's cute. It it's you know it, it's weird because I was having like a like a a moment of like a, a crisis of faith in the human imagination while we were talking about uh, Rapidash because I was like it's it's a horse but it's on fire and I was like well that I started to say like that's a really disappointing sort of myth like that's just oh it's just a horse but it's on fire but then I we started going through other myths and like every story every myth we've ever had is just like oh it's this thing that you're familiar with but with this other thing that you're not familiar with that thing being and that's all creativity all storytelling uh we humans are feet are, are um we have feet of clay standing before uh the ultimate creative force uh, which is god who i have come here to talk to you about today and like it it's just such a non well since we're talking about a water pokemon you mean god is in Poseidon? arceus please i i, I you know whatever you want to call him he comes in many forms, but now that we're talking about the the slowbro, like that that's much less of a of a thing that I have any basis in. So I, I I'm regaining a little bit of my my belief that hum, humans are capable of something. So thank you, slowbro. <laughs> yeah, because this is very much just hippo that is pink and. But then on the other hand, like it is not like such a simple. I I don't really think of it that hippo like either. Sure. Uh, but then on the other hand, while it's not necessarily based too much on like this thing but this other thing uh it's also completely incomprehensible and weird and stupid so <laughs> maybe creativity is overrated too i don't know yeah i mean we finally have a mega evolution to talk about again today it's been a little while since our last mega evolution and kind of with you i just like the simplicity of it but also darling pointed this out to me which is that the mega evolution isn't so much an evolution for the slow bro it's an evolution for the shelter that has bit onto its tail <laughs> Yeah, canonically, it's a shelter that's evolving and getting bigger and basically swallowing the slow poke half of the slow bro, which I find hilarious because the image that they've done for this, the official illustration of Mega Slowbro, is this giant shelter with the slow poke tail peeking out and the arms. And the slow poke is... Can I, can I be very clear about this? These look nothing like shelter. <laughs> yes. The fact that they call it a shelter is absolutely incomprehensibly stupid and insane. <laughs> shelter changes a whole lot more than Slowpoke does. Yep. Let's talk about like the biological shift of like the fact that Shelter's eyes somehow go from being, you know, picture a clam and its eyes are inside of the clam shell on like what the clam's tongue would be or whatever, and then the eyes come completely outside and around onto the shell. It's just such a weirdly it's a discomforting change. Although both Shelter and like even more explicitly Cloister are both, and I don't want to step on the toes of whoever you have talking about them, 
uh, e- extremely yonic images. Oh, yeah. um, and so maybe from that perspective, uh, the slowpoke being ashamed of its tail makes a whole lot more sense in that context. What's hilarious is that in Heart Gold and Soul Silver, I'm not sure if it's in the original versions, but in the remakes, definitely, there's a uh, trainer, quote unquote, called Young Couple, and I don't remember what their oh name is. Oh my are. gosh! You know where this is going, yeah. There's a trainer that you fight where it's a young couple who send out an onyx and a cloister. And that oh has my to gosh. be intentional. That is the dirtiest joke they pass through Pokemon, and I'm amazed by it. There was a trainer. I, I've not been able to find any evidence of this happening, uh, but I swear to you up and down that I saw it happening in one of the one of the Unova games. Uh, back when it was still being translated by something awful goon. And it like the, the the quotes the trainers give you like after battle you can't like rewatch them and it, it was like in an area where you couldn't rebattle him so i've never been able to confirm this because i'm not going to restart a game to uh but a guy after like like he opens up saying like my pokemon are super hardcore and then you beat him and then he says i told you i was hardcore which is a reference to a 4chan meme from like 2004 of like a kid who like overdosed on an irc chat and his last words were i told you i was hardcore holy shit like i've not i've not been able to find any evidence that this happened and i didn't just imagine it like, I can't figure out what I would have read it as. That I might have just made that up. I don't know. I remember thinking it happened. But, um, but yeah, no, the Mega Slowbro Evolution looks just like it's, you know, this bigger firm form of the shelter. And, like, Slowbro's basically in this thing, like, with this expression, like, a little kid who has to pose in the ugly sweater that his aunt bought him for Christmas. And his arms are just sticking out to the side. And he just looks, like, slightly uncomfortable, but not, like, endangered or afraid. Yeah, I, I love the expression on its face. Like, it is... Not so much annoyed, it just feels a little bit bothered by the fact that it's being swallowed by the slow... I'm sorry, that the slow poke half is being swallowed <laughs> by the Shelder half. Other thing I want to point out is that we haven't even met Shelder in the Pokedex yet, but it's clearly a key part of this evolution. So it's weird that they introduce the idea of a Shelder before they actually introduce Shelder. Yeah, and the other thing that's weird about this, even though it's like so clearly noted in the Pokedex and the lore that this is a symbiotic evolution, which does happen in nature. We do have symbiosis in nature. We do have parasitic things in nature. I've already met, referenced like the Manowar as like, you know, a mutually uh, communal set of organisms. But this is a mechanic that's actually introduced later on, where there are two Pokemon that you have to have in your party at the same time to evolve together and things like that. But these two, you can evolve a Slowbro without ever catching a Shelter. Your slow your Slowpoke will evolve into a Slowbro once it hits the appropriate level. Yeah, it's, it's always strange when franchises like this want to add like a narrative element to a thing that doesn't quite... Like in the far superior franchise, Digimon, uh, they'll, they'll frequently have in cards, like, oh, this, this Digimon stole its sword from from the gods themselves, and it, it burns with the fires of the Promethean theft or whatever. But, like, no, it didn't. It just evolved from a little dinosaur boy like two seconds ago. It, <laughs> we've not gone on that adventure. I don't understand why you think we... I, it, it's weird. Like, they'll they'll have a story for a guy, but then you can just have that guy, like, in an RPG. Well, we haven't gotten to the Cubone weirdness, which I think is the definitive one. Yeah, I think the kind of weird equivalent to that that we've had today is Rapidash being known as this, like, super-fast horse Pokemon that can race over land and is only half the speed of an Arcanine. That's uh, that's like uh, Speed of Sound Sonic in uh, the One Punch Man franchise, who's always talking about how fast he is, and Saitama just casually beats him. Yeah, speaking of Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog, did you see that somebody actually did a study comparing the relative speeds of Super Mario and Sonic, and determined that Super Mario is technically faster than Sonic the Hedgehog? Wait, really? Explain. <laughs> they did like a study based on like relative height versus like distance covered, and like how fast they can cover that distance at their maximum 
maximum speed. And apparently Super Mario is technically based on like canon height versus then using that, translating that height to horizontal distance. Mario is actually faster than Sonic. Wow. Did they do something in the Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games yeah. things? Does he like wear weights on his legs? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So closing thoughts on Slowbro to bring us home. Darling, can you tell us about these shinies? Because I'm a fan of them. Well, the... Slowpoke shiny, I believe, is just a little bit darker in color. It's more purpley. Uh, but I love the Slowbro shiny because it's this darker purple Slowpoke half with a dark gold Shelter shiny, uh, which is interesting because Shelter's regular shiny is orange. Also, I want to note that Slowpoke has an event in-game in Gold, Silver, and Crystal, and also the remakes. You have to stop the remnants of Team Rocket who are cutting off Slowpoke tails at Azalea Town Slowpoke Well. Uh, legend has it that a Slowpoke ended a drought in town by summoning the rain with its yawn. The, the Well of Slowpokes was also the scene, um, the the site of that scene in uh, Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark, where he, he puts the the staff together with the the amulet. It's a Slowpoke he's putting together. Yeah, he, the tail the tail's been cut off and he's reattaching the. Shoulder to the top. Nice. The Well of Soul Pokes, I believe. Nice. I'd like to talk a little bit about how we would change the Pokemon. So, welcome to Mon Mods. Um, okay, so, Abby, we've talked a lot about how the Pokemon are to, in their existing world, how would you change them? What would you do to improve any family in terms of typing, design, any of this week's families um, that you think would improve them in some sort of way? Well, I, I guess I'd probably take Rapidash. And... Does Rapidash have a horn? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd probably sort of lengthen the horn a little and sort of ch- change the fire mane to sort of just like white uh, horse fur. And uh, sort of like like uh, little cartoon eyelashes, so that you know it's like a lady unicorn. Uh, and I'd sort of give it like a human voice, and it would sing. And um, the the band America would play like whenever she <laughs> ran across the hills. And she'd be the last one. There'd only be the one of them in the world because the others had been driven into the sea by the Red Bull. I like where you're going with this. Do we want this to be a friendship evolution? Like Sylveon? I mean, I love that you're referencing this movie that you're referencing, which is clearly Ferngully. Yes, oh my gosh, I love Ferngully so much. I Please bring me back for Muck so that I can talk about Hexus. It's hilarious. I made a Ferngully reference completely separately earlier today, <laughs> saying that in the modern world, in a Ferngully Gully remix for this year, Tim Curry would play, instead of Pollution, he would play Online Hatred. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Can I can I just say I appreciate the the grammar of what you just said that you specified that like you hadn't coordinated this uh, as if no listeners would hear this and think, oh, they clearly coordinated multiple references to Ferngully. <laughs> the audience loves their Ferngully references. Like, I'm sorry, we've referenced the Batman trilogy. I feel like I feel like listeners have to think that I honestly try my best to script those Batman references in at this point because we're 11 episodes in, in, in 12 including bonus episodes, and I've fit 13, 13, and I've fit a Batman reference into every single. Well, one. can you not think of? Uh, Someone who, much like the protagonist of Ferngully, uh, swoops around unseen uh, to protect their homeland from from uh, invaders and and criminals. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Kanye Hawk West. <laughs> <laughs> the the real life Hawkeye in many ways. God. Did you say Kanye West? Yes. <laughs> Darling, what would you change about today's Pokemon? Uh, well, I I kind of hinted at this earlier. I'd split up the Geodude line. Uh, I'd have Graveler evolve into something that is more rocky, something that is more like 
Yeah, miniature... can't talk like this. Say Adrian. <laughs> what, what are we... I'm gonna throw a turkey out the window. <laughs> Wait, that was the other guy. Does no. Rocky evolve into Apollo now? <laughs> Rest in peace, Apollo Creed. Now Apollo Mon. That's a great Digimon. Ooh. One of the Olympus 12, my friend. Are the others like Zeusmon and Haramon and? Yeah, pretty okay. much. Uh, it, it's kind of weird because like none of them ever appeared in the cartoon, but there's like zillions of games of lore and just garbage from the card games. There have been like five card game series. It's weird. It's a confusing franchise. That's my the one thing that Pokemon has on it is it knows what it's doing. Like like a yeah more focused branding. Uh, effort, but on the other hand, I despise the concept of branding. So, you know, Digimon wins again. <laughs> so, Digimon being more chaotic and confused about what it's trying to do, it gets the edge. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It does. It's more human. I don't know what I'm doing with my life either, so I relate <laughs> to the Digimon. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Geodude. Uh, I'd split up that line, have Graveler evolve into something more <laughs> Stallone-esque, uh, and then have Gollum become its own like single-stage rock-slash-dragon monster. I like it. Um, I'll close this out. Mine is pretty simple because I alluded to pretty much all my closing segment choices already um that's what given, we call given the lore for horses and mythology i want a third stage evolution which is my usual pick as darling pointed out to me for mon mods i want a third stage evolution for the uh, ponytail line which is spiridash give me a ghost fire type make it make it jet black with purple flames and give it like a little bit more like of a phantom horse type of vibe nice i just recommend a poison type uh a poison type Pokemon named uh, the Clapidash. Ooh, you know, I did actually speculate in with like the changing flames. Like it would be cool if we got like a green flame Ponyta Clapidash that was po- poison fire type. Are there any poison fire types? I'm gonna. Say, oh yeah, uh, Salazzle uh, in Gen. Oh 7. yeah, yeah. Those guys are cool. So there we go. So let's get another one in maybe an alternate. Oh yeah, uh, Salu Bidoof Salazzle uh, Happenfaffer Incorporated. Oh. Oh, my girlfriend explained to me that reference before I even knew I would have to know about that reference. Either way, I want my ghost fire type first, and then once we get that, then Game Freak, you can see to the uh, poison fire type, uh, Clapidash, and everything else. We've talked about how we would change the Pokemon as they exist in their universe. Let's talk about what they would be doing in our universe. Welcome to Mon's World. A celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. This is my Michael, lead us off, please. We already know that Slowpoke's yawn can apparently bless the rains down in <laughs> Johto. So I'd say that its yawn ability would also probably help people with sleeping problems. Because you hear the yawn, you get a little drowsy, and then boom, sleepy, sleepy. Yeah, and I think, you know, we'd probably be betting on Ponyta and Rapidash races. Even though, why, when there are apparently Arcanines that can travel around the globe at light speed? I mean, they're already being used by cops. Yeah, that's true. Ralph's a cop. Have you seen about how uh, I think it's San Marino, like that racetrack oh, up, Sandy, uh, yeah. up in the valley, like 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 thirty horses have died this year and no one knows why. Just twenty three. What's up That's with that? Point. Well, if 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 you're treating horses like that and they're also on fire, and and their fire only spares you if they trust you. I feel like horse racing would be a much more dangerous... Oh, yeah, that's true. One of the theories about what's going on at Santa Anita, welcome to Mon Man, a podcast about horse racing, uh, is that... It's a really interesting story. The uh, cycle that we've had this winter of rain, dry, rain, dry, rain, dry has turned parts of the track into clay, uh, which is then causing their hooves or their, well, rather their legs to break. And then because that's such a basically fatal 
or you know they can't come back from a broken leg just to be a horse not even a racehorse but just to be a horse because you're on your horse can't, you can't have bed time. rest yeah exactly can't get a horse to use crutches we've tried yeah. uh so then that's why they have to put them down so the theory might be that the track has baked what if to prevent that from happening again they bionically replace all of the horse's legs with tank treads <laughs> And they're just rolling around like little caterpillar monsters. Is there a Digimon like that? Oh, gosh, you know, there probably is. Um, I feel like there is an evolution of some line that does get tank treads in, like, its mega evolution. There's, there's like, like a a whole tank, like, family. But I don't think any of them are horse-like. There's a dinosaur that's a SWAT team guy. Yeah, yeah. Most of them are. Most of them get very uh, swattish. Hey man, so they're all cops, or like very gunning. I, I, you know, I, I also want to want to suggest uh, Ponytown Rapidash would probably be useful uh, if their their flame only burns when you when they trust someone. Like like you'd have a chef, right, who doesn't want to lose money on gas, so they they set up a hob above their their ponytail, right? But like they they have to depending on like the heat they need for what they're cooking, they they like poke it or like feed it food to get it to like them more and less <laughs> and it, it's sort of like it's somehow it's deemed simpler than just turning a, a nozzle because like pokemon is all about like oh clean energy so you know maybe this is easier than yeah, we're gonna use pikachu energy to power brooklyn yeah, you know we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna frack my friend we're not gonna <laughs> frack uh there are episodes about pokemon unionizing against fracking so like fracking specifically that's great i don't know if it was fracking but i think it was deforestation actually oh well like i think there was some person who was gonna like who's gonna drill in the ocean and that's why the tentacruel and tentacruel attacked that was building a resort that was building a seaside resort that was gonna wreck the coral reef in that area oh yeah yeah it's weird because like in cartoons when you have like like the evil globulon who wants to pollute all the forests because it makes him more money. Like when I was growing up in the 90s, like I was like, well, that's that's an absurd simplification of things. And I feel like a lot of people probably had the same opinion of me as me. And they were, they were just like, yeah, well, that's ridiculous. Let's not worry about that. And then now, 20 years later, we're realizing like, oh, oh, that that is actually what people are like. We should have worried a lot more. No, it turns out the villains are actually less subtle. Uh... <laughs> and ironically, it's the corporations that advertise during those cartoons. Yeah. Dark. Go figure. So the only Mon, the only Mon's World addition I want to make to this is a gift to you listeners after listening to all that cynicism and darkness of the world, which is in the real world with a Pokemon that is capable of acting, because we've already touched on the fact that Meowth went to pursue an acting career in Hollywood. That <laughs> explains why it's so depressed. <laughs> Slowbro would have taken the place in the movie Hot Fuzz, which is one of my favorite movies. of. It is my favorite movie of the Cornetto trilogy, specifically. Wait, Cornetto but, trilogy or uh, Kung Fu Panda trilogy? Of the Cornetto trilogy. No, it's... no, I'm just saying, like, you brought up Kung Fu Panda trilogy is the Ooh. best trilogy of the 2000s, of the 21st oh, century. Oh, yeah, right? how would you compare? Yeah, Kung Fu Panda makes me cry even to this day so yeah kung fu panda edges it out it's a close one but i'd say the cornetto trilogy takes second all right okay okay i i will say to uh defend defend this choice that uh, the cornetto Cornetto trilogy has such a like 80s 90s sensibility Hmm. that i would say it counts as a 20th century series and i wouldn't call it a trilogy because it isn't a contiguous saga it's just a it's a loosely unified thematic set of a trio of movies i wouldn't call it a trilogy per se okay you know what you know what disagree simon pegg's playing the same character in all three movies he absolutely is not there's no okay look look there's a zombie apocalypse right uh society reorganizes itself we get like a year later he's living with uh what's her name where was he addicted to heroin wait is that canon to the world's end he was addicted to heroin. oh that's shit 
Yeah, he was addicted. Okay, he's okay, a, he's okay. A here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, yeah. um, no, with the zombie apocalypse, like medical technology was completely, completely uh, revolutionized. I, uh, you know, aging doesn't matter as much. But like, it took so long to 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 like rebuild the world after the zombie apocalypse that like they, they just agreed not to talk about it. And so like, it's essentially twenty years after high school now. And he's reconnecting with all these guys. And then he meets, like, this young idiot now that he's, like, you know, his his, his wife died somehow. It's, so he has two friends that are identical. To, so he has an identical friend back home. He has a summer George, like in Seinfeld, that is identical to his winter George that got turned into a zombie. Well, look, that's part of why he's so upset by Nick Frost in Hot Fuzz is because, like, he looks just like the friend that he had to leave to die. Wait, wait, no, no. A friend that he not only saw get turned into a zombie, not only a friend that he apparently spent the rest of his life with in that small village in Shatterbury or whatever it was, but then, like, also the friend that hates him for being a heroin addict. Well, he's more upset because, like, he was his mentor, like, as a cop. And then, and then like, after they killed all the NWA, like, he, then he took up the, the habit. Well, I'm going to go with an opposite direction. We touched on The Legend of Zelda. We know that each version has a Zelda, a Link, a Ganon, or a Ganondorf. Maybe these all happen in separate timelines. We have the... Ooh. You know, we have one that is the child timeline, one that is the adult timeline. I like and this. I like this. I can hear all of you turning this off as I start going to Zelda weeds right here. So <laughs> I just wanted to make the reference to a slow bro saying yarp. <laughs> oh, right. You know, I'll, I'll Let me take us back. This is the only uh, movie in the Cornetto trilogy with a grass type character, which is uh, Simon Pegg's Peace Lily. Oh, my God. Perfect. It's a little bell sprout. <laughs> Thank you for that. And so with that, Mr. Darling, if you could bring us up to my favorite section of the show. Mon appetit. Like my personal recommendation. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'll lead us off because mine was already spoiled when I mentioned Slowpoke's tail delicacy, which is that I would want a Slowpoke tail soup uh, made in the style of Trinidadian uh, cooking with provisions, nice little edus, um, you know, maybe a little bit of dal or something like that on the side. And I just think it would be a delightful little hearty meal, especially for a cold day, as much as we have those out here in Los Angeles. How cold does it get in Trinidad? Oh, sometimes it gets quite blustery. It's funny to me. Oh, I guess being close to the water, that probably... Well, no, it's one of those things we're straight up, like, in the Caribbean. We're right off the coast of Venezuela. Hmm. But, I mean, cold in Trinidad is anything under 85 degrees. It's funny to me that, like, I will hear my family on certain nights unironically claim that it is cold and check the thermometer and it's 82 degrees. (laughs) My my sister's theory is that it's... um, when you move to a warmer climate or when you live there, you, you have thinner socks than you would buy as you're in your northern. And, and that's entirely it. Like, like you, you just get like thinner um, pants and stuff. And Well, Miss Denton, if you'd like to tell us which cuisine you'd go for. I, I would just stuff my face with all of them. <laughs> you know what? My favorite, my favorite book as a small child uh, was Stone Soup. So Ooh. I say I, I'd, eat, I'd eat some nice. G-A-Dudes. Probably got some nice salt in there see the whole i love that story and i've never met somebody else who knew that story which and the whole thing about it was is just it was sometimes you have to trick people into being kind but that people are always more capable of being kind than they might initially be (laughs) because of fear or nervousness or whatever have you um but yeah we're making rock soup oh you know what really makes rock soup great is if you happen to have a little bit of salt (laughs) 
And then somehow you have the townspeople pitch a little bit in to make this fantastic feast. But yeah, thank you for referencing that. That took me back to second grade. You know, my whole goal was to uh, make you make you think back to second grade so that you could tell me a story about the crime that you witnessed there that you haven't told a soul about. Aww. Well, that'll be for the True Crime Podcast. Live on Mon Men Episode 5. <laughs> yeah, if we were really if we were really trying to catch listenership, we would do a true crime episode of this podcast, and then we would just have listenership soar. Because even as crowded as that market is, apparently people just can't get enough true crime for some reason. I would fucking kill for yeah, like a podcast like like this that's just like a true ca- true crime story about Pokemon. Hmm. But like you you treat it like it's deadly serious, and you're interviewing people. <laughs> um, but darling, if you could bring us home on your cuisine for the day, sit down. This is gonna be one. Uh, so this one was a bit hard for me initially, uh, and it led me to read up on the history of why horse meat is generally seen as taboo in the West. I'm not gonna get into this, but long story short, there was a pope who banned it because pagans ate it. Fair. Uh, so even though horse meat has, you know, it's strange because he never banned uh, having sex with children. <laughs> You know, he might have conceptually banded, but he didn't do a good job. Shout out to the Pope. Uh, He didn't put it in writing. Uh, So now, even though horse meat has a slightly sweet taste like venison, which I love venison, I can't get past the idea of eating a horse, weirdly. Uh, But hippo, on the other hand, according to Hunter Peter Hathaway Capstick, uh, hippo, that's a real person, by the way, with a ridiculous name, hippo tastes somewhere between beef and lamb. So here's what I'm doing. We're going to have us a good old-fashioned clam bake. We're going to take a slow broil, boil the shelter like a clam with slow bro sausage. Well, rather, the slow poke half will turn into sausage. And then we'll add in some clauncher, some crab brawler, some corn, some potatoes and spices. And for all of this, I'm obviously going to need one of those giant pots that you see cartoon cannibals have. And, and they're all just sort of going to be sitting there tied up, like watching you while they slowly heat up unaware of it. Roast. Boil, rather. I want a good tartar sauce with that, but either way, it sounds delicious. All right, well, Abby, thank you so much for coming on the uh, show with us. This, again, you set a new bar for what we hope to get out of future co-hosts. It's been an honor and a privilege. It's been fun. We hope to have you back. Oh, thank you. But uh, in the meantime, uh, where can people find you? Where can they see your work? Oh, goodness me. Well, uh, I, I am Abby Denton. I am on... Uh, Twitter mostly. I actually got banned from Facebook this week because I posted the British are evil, but I use my UK (laughs) citizenship, which I do have. Like, that wasn't a weird joke. The British are evil, but I use my UK citizenship for good uh, by making Americans feel like gutter trash for not knowing how to serve tea properly. (laughs) Uh, And I I got, like, a nasty gram saying, like, oh, this breaks our community guidelines for hate speech. What? (laughs) And then I posted a screenshot of that saying uh, Facebook censored me. Like, I I hope InfoWars will protect my free speech. Uh, And then I got banned for that. Okay, if I'm completely honest, I just got another thing saying this violates hate speech. uh, And then I deleted my account because I was mad about it. But I'm going to do my best to not undelete. As frustrating as it is that Facebook, like, never deletes your stuff and it just says, oh, well, we'll look after it when you come back. You'll come back, bitch. You'll come back. Also, my numbers are better on Twitter, okay? So don't look on Facebook. Don't look on Facebook. Look on Twitter. But I'm mostly on Twitter, uh, Abby Denton, M-I-Z-A-B-I-T-H-A, if you need to type it in, which you shouldn't need to because their search box is pretty robust. Uh, Ms. Abitha, uh, which is a fake name upon a fake name. I, I run a, a, a scripted uh, audio sitcom called uh, Cyber Cafe, which is sort of like uh, Cheers if it took place in the Black Mirror universe. Uh, which I enjoy a whole lot. Uh, we got the guy from Yacht Rock playing a brain in a jar. Uh, he's the main character. Hollywood oh, Steve, yeah. Wait, Hollywood he's, Steve? He's a wonderful man. God bless him. 
Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, so please check that out. All right, bring us home. Well, thanks so much. As always, I am Yanata Baloo. Well, I'm still Michael Darling. Thanks for being here. Thousand candles.